Hey everyone, welcome to Chili Chilton Unfiltered. I am so glad you're joining me today. I have an ice cold brew in my hand, and when I say cold brew, I'm talking about iced coffee. And uh, I am excited to just talk with you for a few minutes about something that I've been thinking a lot about. If I were to title today's podcast, and I guess I will name this episode, Who's Preaching? And I want you to think about that. Who preaches into your life and what are their requirements or what are you looking for? What do you want from the person who has a voice into your life, into your destiny, into your future? That's what I want to really think about today. So if I do a good job today, by the end of this, you will have a a very clear way of thinking about that and uh, maybe a, a little bit of criteria for who you allow to speak into your life. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, the Apostle Paul is speaking to his young protege, Timothy, and uh, he says these words, Preach the word of God. Be prepared, whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. That is a, a lot of instruction packed into one little verse. And I want to use that as the context for everything I'm going to talk about in the next few minutes. Now, as you know, we all have many preachers in our lives. Bosses preach at us. Spouses preach at us. Friends preach at us. The media preaches at us. (laughs) If you're a parent, your kids preach at you. Then we have politicians and they preach at us. And the list can go on and on. People preach at us. They have an agenda. They want to get their point driven across. So it's not just the dude on Sunday morning on the stage that's your preacher. There's lots of people that have voices in your life. But should you use a different kind of filter or should you have some discretion when it comes to your spiritual well-being? To answer that, I would say, yes, you should. You shouldn't allow anyone just to speak God's word into your life. In fact, you really shouldn't allow anyone just the privilege of preaching into you whatever their agenda or their opinion or their their point is if it doesn't have something, you know, of value for you. And and so we we get so much information into our brains and eventually into our hearts that we feel like we're going to explode and we're not even sure how to process it all. So for me, here's the problem. And, and I say this without pointing a finger, but some of the preachers that do a lot of preaching in our lives become our pastor. That is an influence that guides, counsels, instructs, and corrects us. Man, I love the position of pastor. I have amazing pastors in my life. My father, my role model, my hero was and is a pastor to me. And I am so grateful for that. I have been a senior pastor in the past for over 12 years. And of course, served many different pastors um, as associate pastor, youth pastor, and other roles throughout all of my life. And so that's okay, but 
what I want you to understand is that not everyone who preaches at you should be, quote unquote, your pastor. That influence, that guides you, counsels you, instructs you, corrects you. We should be more selective and discerning about who speaks into our lives. So I want to go back to that 2 Timothy 4.2 and kind of break it down so that we can ask the question, how to know if the preacher is a pastor or a poser? Big question, right? How do you know if the preacher is actually a pastor or he's just a poser? Now, I know it's very easy now to put on our critical hat and, and get real judgmental and think, man, yeah, man, this guy doesn't really preach the word or this and that. I'm not talking about style. I'm not talking about what you think should be preached. I, I'm going to stick to this passage of scripture and just try to break it down into a way for us to say, yep, that's my pastor. That's the person who preaches God's truth into my life on a consistent basis. So number one, how to know if the preacher is a pastor or a poser. Number one, what he's preaching is always true. Ooh. <laughs> well, the Bible says you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus is the truth. That's declared in John 14. So truth is big, right? So the word should be true. It should always be true. And we start off in 2 Timothy uh, 4.2. And it says, preach the word of God. I am a firm believer, cover to cover, that God's word is true. So I want someone who knows the word of God and can preach the word of God. You see, the word gospel for Paul is not only an evangelistic presentation. The gospel is the core message found in the whole of scripture. We could turn in our Bibles right now to 2 Timothy, still in that chapter to to uh, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, and it declares the power of the Word of God and the gospel and what it means to us. I want someone who can preach the gospel with their words and, more importantly, with their life. There is proof of the Word of God and how they live their life. So that's what makes it true. What they say on Sunday, what they say on, on other times is great, but we go... But that guy lives it. Oh, man, that's where the power really flows. And so when we think about God's word and it's always true, that means it can be applied to unbelievers as a call of faith or to believers as a call to continue to believe and live out the implications of the message. Nothing else must be preached. Now, of course, we support the word of God with all kinds of illustration, thoughts, ideas, whatever. But God's word doesn't need our help and certainly not our embellishment. The excellence of the scripture um, is so supported in that passage I referred to in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. So let's make sure that the preacher who's our pastor, not a poser, is always true. He preaches the word. Second of all, always on time. Notice that it says whether the time is favorable or not. In danger as well as in safety. In prison and, and when doomed to death as well. Uh, whenever, whether it's a, in, in a large church context or in a small group setting. Everywhere and on all occasions, whenever, wherever the Lord's work requires it, that word should be on time. That word should be right there. You know, just as the fountains, you know, thrown, um, 
Just as the fountains, though none may draw from them, still flow on, and the rivers they 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 they, they flow and 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 you go well. What can we do about it? You know, like what I'm saying is that you can take a drink because it's always on time. It's always fresh. It's always relevant. We we've got these things that are pouring out, and I want a pastor who pours out life, whether I'm thirsty or not, whether. I'm I'm hungry for it or not. There's life in it. There's life in it. I can bring someone and go, I know there's life in what's going to be said. I want that. I want that to be powerful. So it's got to always be true. And it's got to be always on time. I'm not talking about a person who is so cool and so relevant. That's not what I mean on time. See, God's word is a refreshment. It, it, it's the streams in the desert. And what I mean by this, that there is a purity and there is an excellence when, when the word of God is presented, that it, it, it goes to all, you know, that, that an elderly person or a teenager sitting in the same room can go, that is so refreshing. That is what I needed to hear. That was meant for just me. Boy, that's as a preacher and as a pastor, when you know you're, you're, you're swinging for the fences, when you're hearing it from multiple generations and backgrounds, that that word was good. It, I felt like you were preaching just to me. That's on time. That's a message that's been bathed in prayer that is totally true and is ready for whoever would dip their cup into the water. It's got to be that way. So if your preacher is a pastor and not a poser, He's always true. He's always on time. Third, he's always training. See, the, the word of God also says, patiently correct rebuke. Woohoo! we love that, right? We want a pastor that's always telling us what we did wrong. No, no, no. See, when, I, when you take those passages and like, like patiently correct rebuke, what you really need to take that, those words and put one word in their place, and that's discipline. And discipline is required in anyone's training. To be good at anything, you need discipline. So words like correct and rebuke sound harsh, and they would be without the word that precedes them. Patiently. Patiently correct. Patiently rebuke. That means the pastor's not all frustrated with somebody who ripped him this week and so uses a whole sermon to rebuke one person because he's just fed up. No, no, no. Patiently correct rebuke. That is a discipline that's being exercised by the one who's preaching, and it is a discipline required by the one who hears. That we say, before I react, before I get all offended, I'm going to apply it. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to pray. I'm going to let God continue to speak by His Holy Spirit to that very specific area. Because more times than not, when we are offended during a sermon, it's the Holy Spirit trying to convict us rather than us just getting all worked up. In fact, I tell you this, the reason you get offended is because you can be. Think about it. I don't want to be a person that's easily offended. In fact, I want to be a person that it's impossible to offend, that you can walk in that kind of humble confidence that says, no, no, I know who I am and I'm not giving anyone the power to offend me but I will give the word of God the power to discipline me and correct me and rebuke me and change me. Titus 2.15 says, 
You must teach these things and encourage your people to do them, correcting them when necessary. You have the authority to do this, so don't let anyone ignore you or disregard what you say. Boy, those are verses we don't hear preached very much in our churches, right? Say, hey, people, congregation, this is what God's word says I should do to you. And aren't you excited about that? People are like, boo, no. We should be in training. But you know the reason many of us, we don't see it as we don't even desire training is because we think we're attending a country club instead of a mass unit. But we're at war. We need training. We need people to kick our butts. And I welcome it. Number four, not only are they always true, always on time, and always training, they're always thrilling. Woo! See, it goes on in, in that same passage we're using. Encourage your people. Encourage them. Encourage is this Greek word. Parekalo. Say it with me. Parekalo. See, now you speak Greek. It really means to call to one side, to summon, to address, to speak to, exhortation, comfort, instruction, etc. Here's what encourage to me literally means. To put courage into someone else. When you encourage someone, you put courage in them. You put courage into them. You want to, here's a funny example. Uh, I pastored a church called Courage Church for many years. And one of the things that always frustrated me is the way the parents talk to children about many things. But we always speak fear, like, you know, um, drive safely. Call me when you get there. Be careful crossing the street. You know what I say to my kids still to this day when they leave the house ready to go driving somewhere? Drive courageously. Be courageous. I say it to people when they leave my presence. Go be courageous. Not be careful. Make sure you look both ways. Make sure you don't talk to strangers. Make sure that you don't... Yeah, come on. If we speak fear into people, people will become fearful. And I don't want that. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for me. And so... Encourage. Encourage people. Even when the word is tough, we should still be encouraged because application will bring out change and improvements both in practice and in our perspective. Okay, let me wrap this up with one last thing. Not only I want my pastor to be true and on time, who's training and thrilling, but is always teaching. It ends there in saying with good teaching. The Greek for doctrine is teaching that must be modeled, not simply instructed. Jesus and his disciples, his apostles said, follow me. In other words, do what I'm doing, not just what I say. That is who I want preaching into my life. That is who I want inspiring my children and, and, and raising us up. I want someone that says, you know what, it's easy maybe to stand up in front of people and say, this is how you need to live your life. But I want you to follow me too. I'll show you how to live your life. I'll model it. When I say love your neighbors, I want you to know I'm loving my neighbors. You know, when I say, you know, care for the, the, the weak and the poor, I'm caring for them too. That, that, that we are doing it together. 
Now, the roles sometimes are different, and, and the church is there to equip the saints to do good work. And so we can't just go, yeah, 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 you should be doing everything I'm doing. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I am saying is that there is a track record, and there is a living example in the person's life that is speaking the word of God to you. So that's it for me today. I want you to think about it. And if you're a preacher, I want you to think about it from that perspective. And in a sense, like I began, we're all kind of preaching. We're all kind of sending out a message to someone, whether it's our kids, our spouse, our, our friends, our, our coworkers, whatever. We've got a message and we preach it. Let's make sure for ourselves, before we ever question anyone who's speaking to us, let's ask about our own lives. Are we always true? Are we always on time? Are we always training? You know, patiently correcting, rebuking. Are we always thrilling? Do we put courage into other people? And do we bring about good teaching, which is lived out? Our doctrine is teaching that is modeled, not simply instructed. That is what I want to be. And I hope you're encouraged today. I think you can tell even by the tone of my voice, I'm kind of pumped about this episode because I believe in it so heartily. And I want to be that kind of person. I want you to listen to this podcast if you believe I live it. Not just because it's entertaining or every now and then you get a point for something you're trying to accomplish. I want you to know that. I, want, I wish you could see me in the eyes and go, I see Jesus in Chile. I, I, I see it in his children and how he loves his wife and how he ta- cares for his kids. But I believe in it with every fiber of my body. In a few minutes, I'm going to finish my cold brew, change shoes, and head off to football practice where I'm just one of the assistant coaches for a middle school football team. I don't have a lot of authority a lot of people don't even know what I do. You know, I don't come in and, and look like a pastor or look like a preacher. But I want my life to make a difference. And I believe it's starting to happen. I'm beginning to see conversations come my way because there's a difference in how I live my life that will open the door for me to speak some things that I believe God is preparing them to hear. Because you got to earn the right to to speak into someone's life, and you certainly have to earn the right to be radical. All right, guys, that is uh, today's episode. I I appreciate you uh, checking it out and being part of of it. And uh, I'll tell you what, I'm always blessed. So, hey, thank you again for listening today. Be careful who preaches into your life. And be extra careful about who you're preaching at. Not anyone should be your pastor. And if you love your pastor, hey, do something amazing for them this week. Send a note, take them to dinner or buy a coffee or just do something out of the ordinary. Trust me, they are not overwhelmed with people praising them and they always hear the critical ones. So do something cool today. Um, for your pastor. All right, that's it for me. Have an amazing Labor Day weekend, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Peace.